This podcast represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, but more importantly leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Reviews not only help us grow listeners, but also help us grow as a show, improve our content, and make us better. So we're going to battle through technical difficulties today and low internet speeds, but uh, somehow we will make this happen. You know, we've been trying to get guests on the show for a long time. We have had guests. They've always been great, but some have said no. And I'm wondering, they say no in a very, you know, I guess kind way. And I'm wondering what you guys think is the best way to say no to someone because I've heard anything from just flat out no to being ignored to uh, I'm busy, which is no, <laughs> but it's it's not no. It's like, you know, not right now. So what, what's the best way to say no to someone? I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's etiquette in this kind of things, right? There's some diplomacy, you know, if you want to say no politely, you can write a very too nice sentence as short as thank you for the invitation. I'm very flattered, but dot, 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 dot. I appreciate you thinking of me or thought that, 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 that. I can't do it. So I think it's no. going to, yeah. And I agree, Steph. I think, you know, you have to have some level of etiquette, but I also think it's going to depend on the situation too. But sorry, I'm busy is a bad way to, to do it. We, we can all agree that ignore, ignoring it completely is a, is the worst way. Like ghosting no the person? Just, just never responding. And you're sure that mm-hmm. the person received the message? Well, no, but, um, you know, let's just let's just say that you know for sure that they received the. Me- let's say you're doing this in person, or on the, or you texted someone, and they completely didn't. Know. We can all agree that that's the worst way, right? We, that's you shouldn't do that. Yeah, there goes. That's the worst. Yeah. Besides that, what I mean, I mean, the other side of it, which is not an excuse. I mean, not an excuse, but they might be so busy that you know it fell through cracks. And people like that usually have a publicist. They have a you know somebody who runs stuff for them. So that doesn't happen. Sometimes things get lost right. in the email, especially if you get a lot of emails during a day or if your emails condense and then sometimes you don't see the email. If you get a lot of text, you might not see it or maybe you see it and you intend to respond later, but you totally forget to respond. Right. But Dimitri is the kind of guy that has a, a read proof. You have a, a read receipt on, on your emails. So you know when people open your I mails. Do. I have a read receipt on my emails <laughs> just to make sure that it was opened. I do this for patients, right? Because I need to know if they've actually seen the email for for, <laughs> for medical purposes. But yes, I use it for other things. But what I'm saying, what I'm what I'm gonna argue here is when you tell someone that you're busy, that is that is that is you saying I don't wanna do this, but I don't wanna say I don't wanna do this. So I'm going to make up a, a nonsense excuse, which is I'm busy. But what if you really, truly are busy? I don't believe you. <laughs> then that's your issue, you. though. But a person can be very genuine. 
saying it, that they it, are busy. Yeah, I don't believe that. If if you're busy, then give me your agenda. You know, like tell me why you can't spend. <laughs> you want someone to send you like a detailed schedule? No, because like, if I'm busy and Aww. a friend wants to go out with me, um, like I get, you know, I get a request, you know, you know, you want to hang out, have lunch, dinner. What I do is I don't say I'm busy. What I say is, oh, I've got baseball practice the next three nights and then I've got to do this meeting. And then I don't just say I'm busy. I tell people why I'm busy. Do you need to go that far though? Can't you just yeah. say how oh, this week is really super hectic and I'm way super no. busy. It's not going to happen. No. You no, know, we, we could have, know. we could have mentioned that we could have mentioned that when we, when we discuss cluster B's and borderline person you saw the last, <laughs> last episode, right? We is could have discussed showing that. Is, some traits? I don't know. It's, you know, you know it's, 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 it's the fear of, 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 you know, being abandoned or being, you know, fear of, but, oh, maybe dependence. You're right. It could be close to C. Look at you. It's dependence. Yes. Yeah. Could be well, close I, have to C shown, I think it's mixed with traits of. Right. That's right. why I like well, traits. I, it's, you know, it's fluid. I have shown uh, OCPD traits. Like, I mean, we, I mean, we all. I think we all have. I mean, if you if if you're in healthcare, you definitely have some OCPD. I I I cannot. I I don't understand the purpose of doing something unless you do it correctly. I can't play with my kids if they're not playing the game the proper way. Well, I do it, but it makes it makes me. It gives me. Anxiety I agree that they're not playing it correctly. I agree. What, what would a young kid say? Uh, they, they would say something like, "Yeah, I, I cannot vibe like this. You know, I, I don't vibe like that." Right. Are we doing? Are we doing? Are we doing uh, Gen Z? Yeah. Gen, Gen X. Z, Gen Z. I agree with you. You know, if I, you'd speak, I agree. Right. If I'm doing something right, you know, I have to make sure I do it. You know, to my perfection. You know, it might be yes. exceedingly, exceedingly well done. But that's well to done. your perfection. But there's also more than one way to play a game. Sometimes. No, there is not the kids... more than one gate. Of, no, absolutely not. There are rules to games. That's yeah, but you can create games. your own rules. There's other rules to, for example, oh Monopoly. God. You can play House oh. Rules Monopoly. Uh, what is House Rules Monopoly? Oh, it's really cutthroat. Basically, you have your own rules and what you can and cannot do. It follows the guidelines of Monopoly, but you can do oh, your no. own thing and it can no. make it very intense. No. I that can't like stand playing Monopoly that's... because it gets drawn out and people get very intense. But That's not yeah. like the Mafia or something. That, that's, that, that's violent. Are, are you... <laughs> Are you are you you know pointing you know at gunpoint and getting houses Suzanne's, and, and, and Suzanne's got antisocial traits apparently. Well, you know she's a mafioso. Suzanne is threatening. Well, she is Italian, right? I am Italian, but I mean, she really. is Italian. There you go. Well, you got to stereotype all the Italians, Dimitri, from New York. Well, Seriously, I'm not. I'm not stereotyping. I'm just, you know, did. Well, I guess I am. I guess, you but. Did. All the greatest mafioso people from New York. You're pointing the you maybe let, let's call it Weren't pointing the obvious. Look, there's a Russian mafia too. They're there doing, is, there is allegedly they, they all live in allegedly, yeah. which I think you're they all live in South Florida. I'm gonna stereotype you, Dimitri. They all live in Hallandale <laughs> and they all live in in uh, you know Bay Harbor. <laughs> yeah, Sunny Isles, North Miami Beach, Sunny, Sunny, Isles. Sunny Isles, right? Sunny, Sunny Isles. Isles, yeah, Sunny Isles. Um, yeah, you could stereotype me. That's fine. I've been told I. It's all right. But what I'm saying is that sometimes there's more than one way to play a game. I guess you're not coming over my house for game night, apparently. <laughs> if you're not going to follow the rules of game night, then I'm not. Rules are meant to be broken. 
Yes, that's true, but not yes. So, but not the ones that you don't want broken. That's very selfish of you. Wow. Okay. All right. I know this is an audio medium. We're going to do this anyway. Raise raise of uh, hands uh, for the people that saw the Blindside movie. Oh, wait. There's like a little hand raise function in Zoom, too. But we're going to just do this. We're, we're going to do it with our hands. Okay, We've so. we also been, been not only, you know, audio medium lately. So we can do that. Well, yes. But we're not, you know, officially an audio, a video medium yet. Um, so two out of three raised hands and, uh, I'm not, well, you didn't one, see it. I'm not one of those. It's a pseudo documentary kind of surprise, but... surprise. Demetri has not watched a movie. Wow. Oh, you know what? I'm, sh- I watched I'm shocked. Last night. What was the last movie that you saw watching Waterboil? Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the last movie I saw was... What was uh, Oppenheimer? Oh, I okay. need to watch this. I heard it's good. I've heard that as well. Yeah, and it's not sports or anything, but we should do a movie review segment. Where we well, we can do like sports movies as well, but I don't know if I we have could. the attention span for a three-hour-long movie. Didn't feel okay. like three hours. Yeah. And last night yeah. we watched Guardians of Galaxy 3. That was a good one. And it's also three hours. So. Oh, well, then I uh, sat through that one. It's three hours? Was it really three hours? Oh, no, maybe I haven't, I haven't watched oh. this one. No. Is it, uh, is it the last one? one? Yeah, I took the kids. The most recent one. Yeah. We're, we're way off topic here. So it's okay. <laughs> the, the, re- the, reason, the reason I asked that is because you guys are going to know this better for a movie with regards to this issue with Michael Orr, who is the, the person that this movie is about. So do you want to recap the movie, one of you, real quick? Sure. Basically, um, there is a teen by the name of Michael Orr, and he is taken under the wing of this family to get out of his life situation. And in the process of doing that, they enroll him in a school and he starts playing football. And the family, um, primarily the mom and the dad in this family, but I think it was more the mother, had him involved in the football team, basically, from what I understand, became his agent during that time and was able to get him into college on a football scholarship. Um, So the family really took him under the wings. And this is where some of the controversy is lying now with the recent news where he has publicly come out and say where he thought he was adopted by this family, but it was really a conservatorship. And Michael Orr is under the impression that the family profited off of his name, image, likeness, and story. That's wild. I mean, just 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 thinking about it, it's like, how could you do? So? I mean, I don't know the truth. Obviously, I don't know the, the whole truth. But if that were to, but he true... later went on to play in the NFL too. By the way, I forgot that part. Right. So that that's sort of a recap of the movie with also the story. But the story is that. They thought he thought he was adopted and he wasn't. They just put him under a conservatorship, which allows them to manage all of his finances. And it's different than a guardianship. The conservatorship and guardianship are different, even though they're very similar. Conservatorship allows them to 
take care of his finances and manage his finances. A guardianship also includes that plus social situations and uh, you know living arrangements, and medical decisions. Yeah, but how would he not be purview of what's going on financially with his contracts or with his salary or how does he not have an idea what you know what is what is he earning? That's where I don't get it. The controversy is not what he earned in the NFL. The controversy is that the family profited off of his name, image, and likeness through the movie, and he got mm. no oh. he got nothing from that. Oh, so he okay, got paid in the mean. NFL. Okay. But yeah, what he's, he's saying is that seven years in the NFL. Prior, okay, so he's saying the, the, yeah. the life story he didn't get. Okay, but they profited off of his life story, and he didn't like the movie because they made it. They made him look stupid, like he had disabilities, which he doesn't. He's a smart person, and they made it seem like this family. He was, dis- yeah. You know, they took they took this, you know, mentally disabled kid, and they made him into a right. NFL player. And looking, and it wasn't just even about that too. There were racial implications as well. Right, it's, that were right. Right. that it's, were an undertone right. in the movie. So it, it's this it's this white savior syndrome, right? Yeah. This this poor black kid that we saved from the inner city, but if he wasn't a football player, would they have saved him? You know what I mean? If he was just some random minority kid who did who didn't have the potential to have any future income, would they have cared oh. as much? You know, and and that's that's the controversy, right? If you want to do, if you want to be dry, it, it kind of sound like an investment, right? Like let, let's exactly. invest in this kid because he might be. Exactly. He's got because the, the profit returns it, are going to be right. He's got exactly. the physical acumen. He it got the body type for a football player. That's hey, right. yeah, let, let's get this one. And isn't that what happened? It, more or less, that's what he's accusing them of. But they did take advantage. They put him under. If if it's true that they told him he was being adopted, which is a completely different thing, adoption severs ties with your biological parents, mm-hmm. and then you are now their parent, and that takes a lot of responsibility to be a parent of a child. Right. What they did instead was put him under conservatorship, which is that they just manage his finances, and technically they weren't his parents. Now the family says that they that despite the conservatorship, they treated him like a son. You know, they showered him with love, and look at how he's repaying them with this lawsuit. Wait. They actually put out a statement. Let me read the statement. It was through their uh-huh. attorney. Um, the attorney's name is Mike um, Marty Singer, and the statement reads in part: Over the years, the Tuies have been have given Mister Orr an equal cut of every penny received from the blind side. Even recently, when Mr. Orr started to threaten them about what he would do unless they paid him an eight-figure windfall, and as part of the shakedown efforts, refused to cash the small profit checks from the Tuies, they still deposited Mr. Orr's equal share into a trust account they set up for his son. Unbeknownst to the public, Mr. Orr has actually attempted to run this place several times before, but it seems that numerous other lawyers stopped representing him once they saw the evidence and learned the truth. Sadly, Mr. Orr has finally found the willing enabler and filed this ludicrous lawsuit as a cynical attempt to drum up attention in the middle of his latest book tour. Ouch. That's a well-worded, loyally, loyally statement. Yeah, I was going to say that is a total attorney statement. Yeah. But uh, of, of, an, of a nice way to say this guy's an a-hole. Right. I mean, I, sure, we, but we the attorney's know. also yeah. doing his job because he's representing right. his clients. And he, has he would have, he would have look yeah, like he's I agree. people. He would have he would have written as nice of a letter on behalf of of the other party if he was hired by the other party. 
So, yeah. you know, what he's saying, what, what Michael Orr is saying is that the checks that he got from the blind side were ridiculously low compared to what he deserved, what the family what got. What the family received. And it's his NIL that they're using and they were giving him these puny checks. Um, and that the lie is that he, an equal cut is not what he was getting. He was getting these little checks and he refused to cash them. He's saying because there are these tiny little checks. What am I, they're not, they're not, they're not fair. And so I'm right. not going to cash them because they're not fair. And if that's true, then sending a not fair state and not fair check to a trust is Almost you know, still unfair. Right. So I, I, we don't know the truth. We don't know the truth, but I, I could, I could imagine that legally, right. The family might have higher ground. Does it mean morally, right? Legally, back in the days, I don't know if NIL deal was was even a thing. I don't know if he no. even I don't know if he even had any claim to make money out of the movie. I don't know. We just don't know. Just I'm just assuming. I think it was something like they were supposed to receive a hundred thousand dollars each for the movie, from what I read. But each I meaning your parents and as in him. All of them him? were supposed to receive a hundred thousand dollars. That is what I read somewhere, and I forgot where I read it. However, I think his position is it's not just what they made at that particular moment when the movie was being filmed and produced and when it went in there, but I think it's also the aftermath of that movie and that the parents continue to profit off of his NIL. Right, and and it's not just that. They... Like became famous, like pseudo famous. They started meeting with celebrities yeah. and stuff like that. They so are in. They definitely benefited from this. Steph's favorite person, John Morant, his rookie card. They're in the background of that rookie card, and that just really? got up in volume now. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Really? How did yeah. they get in the background you of a, any, They were because at a game, and they're in the background of the game. You can find anything in the internet, man. I'm telling you. At least that's okay. what I well, saw yesterday i guess i should make sure that it's not bullshit before i start saying these things <laughs> yes we you should start you should start vetting your vetting the things that you say i should although yeah. you know what we probably should play this and then i think who needs 12 years of education training and half a million dollars throw away those medical degrees and speak as a regular person the following opinions are not those of a medical doctor, professional, hospital, or institution. Okay. And I'm going to qualify that by saying um, the stuff that we previously said falls under that. Okay. Uh, not just the following opinions, but so there you go, Suzanne. Now you're good. Now I'm good. Great. And I did verify it online. It is accurate. Um, it is? It is. It's 100000 It's $100,000? Oh, no, 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 no. I was talking about the card. The rookie card. Oh, the card. Okay. John Morant's right. rookie card. Yeah. It, yeah. I but, just, that, but that's the other, that's the other contention is that it's not just the money that they received. The movie was made for like $30 million and it, it made like 150 million. These are not absolute numbers, but uh, it's somewhere in that range. Yes. And so the movie made a crazy amount of money, crazy amount of profit. Um, and I don't know if they received not just a lump sum, but also percentages of the profit of the movie. So it was said that the attorneys for the each family member, including Ower, received or received a hundred thousand dollars as a result of, of the film, and then they're saying that the Tuies paid the taxes on Michael Orr's portion for him. 
is the attorney's position. But again, it's an attorney position Correct. and we don't know if this we is just know. kind right. of, you know, stating a position and trying to bolster their position or if these are tr true. And and the other thing is it's getting it, – this is being dragged into other areas like people are saying that Sandra Bullock should give up her Oscar, which to me is a little ridiculous. Right. The, the other point I was going to make is that I, I'm not sure. Maybe we'd have to have a lawyer back. We have a lawyer in, in our roster that we can ask to come That's back. That's right. But um, maybe we'd ask him next time he's, he's on is that for you to, to file for a conservatorship, there has to be a concern that the person you want to put under is not able to carry out their own decision. Right. There's got to be a either a competency evaluation or the reason why correct is it, is it some mental disability is a, some some psychiatric or, or psychological diagnosis that the person has that you can file and get granted conservatorship you don't go you know you, you can, i don't think even you can even do that for a child you have to prove no you can you can't because the child why. is a minor do you have to no, prove it only if it's contested or if the other person willingly signs a document but but even even children they have to sign not a consent, but they have to sign, in some instance, an assenting document. But he wasn't a child at this point. I think he was above the age of 18. There, the, the, the guardianship is for children. You can be a guardian of an adult. Right. They it's, have that's, that's different. A disability or the inability to make decisions. But that sure. requires evaluation by a, by a, a forensic psychiatrist. A group of, in, or in Florida, it's a group of psychiatrists. Or psychologists. Or psychologists. Or psychologists. Right? psychologists three. Forensics. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but a child, you don't need that because they're children for guardianship, for conservatorship, it has to be an adult. So what they're saying is that he signed that agreement at 18. And I assume that what he's going to say is, I didn't know what I was signing. I thought I was signing an adoption paper when I, when they lied to me and told so, me I was a conservative. So I'm not, I'm not, maybe that's a kind of like a dumb question, but can you sign being adopted at 18? If yes. you if you're an adult, That's I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't. would have to find out. Um, I believe that they can because I vaguely remember seeing some articles about it. I think people may do that just for you know emotional you know gain, just to claim that I'm you part of my family. You're my son or my you're my daughter, but not implicating any financial um you know uh, consequences. Just to give you my last name or to, to to recognize you as a as as a, a son of mine, I will legally adopt you, even though you're 25 or 35. So you know? in Florida, any person who is over the age of 18 years old can be adopted by another adult. The adult adoptee must consent to the adoption. This is what right, exactly. So, but the adoption process that could be done so that a person can automatically inherit certain things as well, or be given right. certain privileges right. that wouldn't automatically be granted if the person was just taken and under their wing. So from what I found, at least in Florida, and I'm sure in other states as well. And it might be in part because, oh, you know, yes, I want to be your parent. Let's do this. Let's formalize it. But I think that there's also other implications of that adoption process, including over the age of 18, where that person now becomes um, legally entitled to certain things as a result. Right. But as an adult, they still don't necessarily – just because you adopted them doesn't mean that you have the right to take over their finances. And no, no, medical no, no, no. That's not what it Then that need so. to get – Right. Then you no. need to also get a either guardianship or a conservatorship, conservatorship. Right. which is what he signed at 18, thinking that he was signing an adoption. Yeah. Well, we, then we have to say that we, we, we don't we don't know exactly what happened. But, you know, I, it's hard to discredit people 
um intention you know it, it's a good thing I, I don't know where at that time where our heart was if it wasn't the right place or not um you know one can always play monday morning quarterback and can always analyze what was done in the past and you know but i don't know i, I don't i don't want to be cynical and say it was, it was all an investment you know now it looks like it but i don't want to say it was all in an investment yeah and what you're saying steph you're right we don't really know and we can monday morning quarterback all we want but we don't really know what was happening at the time but it's interesting now that they're trying to end the conservatorship there was a statement that was put up and now they're trying yeah. to end the conservatorship but are they doing that because they're mad at him? It could be to save face. There's so many different reasons why they're doing that. Well, lawyer advice. That's my first. I don't know why, but. It's going to play out and you have to let it play out. Okay. And I don't know if we'll ever know the truth of what happened. guys see I, I don't know how much how much you're into fitness channels but i watch a lot of fitness channels um and i ran across this story because i didn't know it because i don't follow this guy on instagram but apparently he has like nine million followers which is wow. un, like i can't even believe that that you can have that many um but he was he's a fitness enforcer his name was joe lindner and he had a ton of followers and he died recently at a very, very young age at 30. The cause of death, that's very young, what they're man. saying, yeah, that's really young. And what they're saying is that it was an aneurysm, an aneurysm in his neck. And he had pain, you know, up to three days before that. He ignored it, didn't think it was a big deal and died uh, suddenly. And what people were saying is that this is related to his use of steroids, um, which is documented, he was using testosterone replacement therapy. Right. He had a condition called rippling muscle disease, which is something, honestly, I had never heard of until I looked this up. But apparently, it's an unusual sensitivity to muscles where the muscles sort of bunch up and look like they're rippling. And it has to do with a certain deficiency in a particular uh, belief protein. protein. And he also was taking TRT because his testosterone levels were low. He had stopped it for a while. He found that the levels became low again and he wasn't, he had the, what he said is quote, he lost his gains. So mm -hmm. he went back on it. And when I looked into steroid use and aneurysms, I didn't see a lot. But what I did find is that there's cardiovascular effects and that is a documented connection and yeah. when you take cardiovascular effects, you know, aneurysm is a cardiovascular effect, although specifically it wasn't there, only in a few studies and the connection wasn't strong. The cardiovascular effects are documented. And I want to point this out that we're not claiming that his death is related to steroid use. So whatever we discuss from this point on is is not an accusation of his death being related to steroid use. No, we don't know way. that. We don't know. So that. We don't know that. I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, you don't have to. I mean, maybe you don't have to, to study to be a uh, you know a cardiovascular um, specialist, but hypertension is directly linked, or aneurysm is directly linked to hypertension. And one thing we do know 
that um, steel wedges do cause, do cause is uh, increased blood pressure. So at 30 years old, it's fairly uncommon unless it's congenital, unless you're born with a with a arteriovascular malformation with an aneurysm at 30, it's fair to say that his cardiovascular circuit or or you know got in got affected by some exogenous uh factor, which is the, the steroid. You know, so I, I I'm not sure if they can prove it, but he probably suffered from hypertension at a very young age. And there's study some studies also report that, you know, your uh, lipid levels also are altered when you use steroids. So you, you probably right. would have hyper hyperlipidemia, hypertriglyceridemia, and all of those things are linked to having arteriovascular diseases, in, including, you know, aneurysm formation, whether it's in the abdominal uh, um, space or is in the, you know, cerebral space, doesn't matter where, it's still the same, the same disease. Correct. There's a link between... And I think his was somewhere in the neck, as you mentioned. I think it creates a predisposition to the aneurysms. Right, right. Well, we don't know that. Plus increased blood pressure. And, and, so, But hypertension, increased lipidemia, increased LDL, decreased HDL, yes, that is... Mm-hmm. That has been in the studies, but we don't know which one he was using. I mean, we don't. We don't have. We don't have. He was using testosterone about his usage. It was okay. Okay, testosterone. Okay. Now, whether he was using another one, I I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the articles he he admitted suffering from other condition caused by um, testosterone use um, or steroid use. I think he he admitted that he had suffered from gynecomastia at one point yes. um yes. using using anabolic steroids or testosterone which mm-hmm. i i couldn't understand why um right but because we're a mental health podcast i wanted to bring up the psychological effects of of steroids of mm-hmm. steroid use and those are well documented there's a lot of research with the psychological effects of this and, and I think the most common, for according to what I've read, and actually what I've seen um, in, in patients that I, that had these issues, um, the most common complaints they would have is anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the, the, the most two. And then order of, you know, the most common that people might know about is irritability, anger, uh, aggression. You know, and they, I think there's even a, a, a paper I've, I, I stumbled upon where household where there were um steward use there were a higher incidence of um domestic violence correct and that anger and irritability we also sometimes refer to it as roid rage right roid rage exactly mm-hmm. right that, that's the that's the most common thing yeah yeah so the psychiatric comorbidity comorbidities of the aas use the incidence of them uh show increase in uses of antipsychotics anxiolytics, antidepressants. This is all not just acutely, but also in chronic treatment. Stimulants were also increased in use, but they were not increased in use in chronic in chronic use patients. There's a, a study from Denmark, which you were talking about regarding right. dopamine and random testing. It's interesting what they did in Denmark. Um, Denmark tried to eliminate these things politically at, completely. And what they did was fitness centers, so gyms, collaborated with the government to create this anti-doping mm-hmm. law and a national doping registry, which sounds very much like a pedophile registry in the U.S., <laughs> but, for, for, but for steroid use. They created this sanction and they started randomly testing members 
in gyms. They just walked into a gym and started randomly testing. Could you imagine having this happening in the US? It just it would never happen. Right. And right. people that tested positive or refused were banned from gyms for two years and organized sports for four years. And they were put on this national registry. I, I can't even fathom that possibly happening in the US, but they did that in Denmark. Once those sanctions came into effect, they found an increase in prescriptions for these antipsychotics, anxiety, yes. antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It and just replaced it. So, or because they became. They were withdrawing or, yeah, they had side of it. Yeah, Munich, yeah. right. I mean, I, I every time I think about this issue, I, I think about one patient I had um, a couple of years ago. You know, I think he was in his 50s or 60s, but he, you could tell that he had a, a lifestyle of, as a bodybuilder. He, and he, he told, you know, he told me that he used to do bodybuilding professionally, you know, when he was 20 and 30s. But his issue, he was seeing him as a psychiatrist because he had depression, he had anxiety, he had severe insomnia. And I'm prescribing things. I'm trying to patch the holes, but I'm sending him, every single time I'm sending him to his endocrinologist to make sure that he's is no his his entire endocrinologic system is okay because he had shut down his his adrenals over the years. He, he had no secretion of any hormones from his adrenals, so he had to get supplements for everything. All single single hormones that you can imagine, he was getting supplemented from from his doctors. And I was telling him, listen, I'm just plugging holes here. The, your issue, you have psychiatric symptoms from a uh, endocrinological problem, you know. And 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 even though I, I told him I'm going to prescribe you some help for sleep for anxiety, for your mood. But the main treatment for you is to make sure that your endocrinologist get to the bottom of your, 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 you know, imbalances, you know? Um, and, and he, he, I remember he was telling me that he does not know what to do. He was, he had some kind of hopelessness thinking about him being relying, relying on supplemental hormones for the rest of his life because his adrenals were completely shut down. Um, and, it, you know, as, as a, as a, as a, provider you can't really blame your patient you can really kill them but as i'm talking to them and i'm you know in my head i'm like this could have been you know avoided right you see this is self you know inflicted um wounds if you will so the increase in psychiatric comorbidities include diagnoses of mental health and behavioral disorders due to psychoactive substance use anxiety dissociative stress-related somatoform and other non-psychotic mental disorders, and an increase in behavioral and emotional disorders with onset usually occurring in childhood and adolescence. These were the diagnoses that were increased in people that were using steroids. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, there was an increase in any type of psychiatric hospital content, but not in increased hospitalizations. So there's a, there's, it, it seems like these diagnoses that were made don't seem strong enough or severe enough to warrant hospitalizations. But there is clear evidence that they cause mental health concerns, including mm-hmm. a bunch of they different- absolutely do. With depression, anxiety, the irritability, it, it's interfering with the person's functioning. Yes. And what I wanted to read was specifically this from that study. This is the study, and I'm going to read the study, the name of the study. It's uh, Prevalence Mental Health and Substance Use of Anabolic Steroids by Suna, I'm going to butcher her name, Suna Gestestador. I think we're going to give you a pronunciation quiz. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally sorry. And, and, and others 
which other names that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. I think they're Danish authors because this is a Danish study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm very sorry if I butchered if I butchered her name, but I wanted to read this from directly from the study because we can sit here and talk about what they what the mental health concerns and everything are, but we're not going to do it as eloquently as as she did it. So another episode of uh, Dimitri reads. Dimitri Reed. The most common psych- psychological anabolic steroid use, and I'm going to call them AAS from now on, hypomanic, manic, or psychotic symptoms correlated with AAS use, anxiety, major depression, fatigue, impaired concentration, sleep problems, impotence, and suicidality correlate with AAS discontinuation, resulting in about 30% of users developing an AAS dependence. Aggression is problematic among AAS users, especially with combined, especially when combined with psychoactive substances. Cannabis, cocaine, and other substances to reduce side effects of AAS use are also well known. In a qualitative study, men describe psychological strain as they had compromised their morals and felt guilty during the entire time they used this. Participants also describe manic-like features, hyperactivity, increased sexual appetite, grandiose beliefs, and euphoria. They're agreed that there's a strong psychological dependence on AAS due to the positive comments they get on their appearance. It's also associated with muscle dysmorphias in both genders among young men. It is believed to be due to augmented emphasis in Western societies on low body fat and muscle tone. Among women, AAS use is associated with an increase in having experienced abuse, either physical or sexual. And women reported weightlifting and AAS use as a defense strategy after being sexually assaulted. Self-harm and suicide attempts are also known effects of AAS use, especially during the withdrawal stage. All right, so self-harm and suicide attempts are also known effects of AAS use, especially during the withdrawal stage. What we want to point out is if you're going to do it, that's your choice. But you need to be aware of the consequences of this type of, of use. And then it's funny that that I was as you're talking, I'm talking about I'm thinking about um, regulation that we regulate in this country, um, benzodiazepines, stimulants, uh, and, and and opiates. And I do think some steroids are, are regulated too, because I, when I check when I check the prescription database for my patients, I do see some of them uh, um, listed under control substance database, the so steroid injection. Um, and some people do abuse them, right? So it's a use disorder. It can be, but a lot of the times it's used, quote unquote, correctly through cycling. But even this correct use, and I'm using air quotes, can lead to these psychiatric problems, psychological problems. Right. Right. You're right. You're right. So sometimes they are indicated by, by a physician, right? Sometimes, you know, yeah, definitely. I, I, I would always recall during COVID in, the, in a hospital setting, I don't know about outpatient, but in an inpatient psychiatric setting, I must have had, not even exaggerating, maybe one manic patient a couple of weeks in between um, on the COVID units. People would come for mania because they're getting injection of not injection of infusion of, of um, steroids for um, for for COVID because that was part of the treatment at that time. Um, and you know, I had patients that had never been bipolar disorder, never been diagnosed. I had people that have been diagnosed in the past, been stable on their medications, had COVID. And deciding the pros and the cons with the, with the physician, knowing the risk, and I've read the notes, documenting that the risk, you know, the, the benefit outweigh the risk because COVID will kill you, 
obviously, domain that can be managed in a hospital. And they, they still went forward with, with um, electing to uh, prescribe the steroid uh, infusion. And fair enough, they were floridly manic on the floors. And you can imagine yes. how difficult it yes. was having a patient in a COVID unit that with so many restrictions and so many can't do, you can't walk out of the room, you have to stay in your room and they're manic. It was, it was challenging. Yes, and, and I do want to point out that what you're talking about is not anabolic steroids. No, it's not. You're talking it's about treatment steroids. Right? steroids. Right. So even treatment steroids like treatment, prednisone right. can cause manic-like behavior. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen yeah. this in our practice. So it's it these things are real. These things, you need to be careful when you take them. Again, this is not to say that this is the cause of his death because we don't know that, but they do cause problems. This is not a benign thing that you're just taking so that you can look good and be more muscular. The fitness YouTubers that I watch, for instance, uh, one specifically, um, he is a trainer for, he used to be the trainer for the Mets. Jeff Cavalier is, has come on many times on the YouTube and said that it's not something that he would want people to do. Uh, a lot of, a lot of other YouTubers kind of joke around about it. They go up to people and they're like, are you natty? Or are you, you know, not? And natty is a, <laughs> is a term that's used for natural. In other words, is are your gains natural or are you enhanced? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're trying to make a little bit of a joke out of it. But it's it's not really a joke. And I, I don't, you know, I know we do funny things, or at least we think they're funny. I don't know if the people listening to us think they're funny. But th- this is actually sort of serious. Uh, people that are using this or putting themselves significant risk. So as a doctor, if someone came to me and told me they were doing this cycling, I would say, you know, cause I believe in choices and consequences and stuff. I would say, okay, well, I don't recommend that you do this, but you know, I can't stop. I would it. outline the reasons why too. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's what I do is I outline not only the psychological reasons, but the medical reasons mm-hmm. you're messing with your cardiovascular system that's not the system you want to mess with because that that the links with the cardiovascular system in, include ventricular hypertrophy and arrhythmias and when you hear about athletes literally just dropping dead on a court for instance you know you wonder did they have a congenital hypertrophy or was yeah. this hypertrophy caused by something they were doing something else mm-hmm. yeah yeah and remember the heart is a muscle that is that simple Correct. It's that simple. So if you're having, if you're using anabolic steroids to increase your your muscle mass, your muscle volume, think about your heart and thinking about at the same time that you're not increasing the blood flow. So you you're increasing the 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 mass, the sheer mass of the muscle with the same previous blood flow that you had prior. So Correct. that's a perfect recipe for demand ischemia, right? Heart demand ischemia, angina, chest pain. And if you go down the road, you're going to have a myocardial infarction because, you know, there's not enough blood supply for the muscle. That's simple. You know what else is a muscle? But that doesn't seem to have any evidence that that increases. Let's hear it. (laughs) You're going to say it. I mean, you started it. You're going to have to say it. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying. Okay. There's, there's, well, I didn't, I didn't find any evidence that increases that muscle, but there is evidence that it decreases your, I guess you'd be looking to, to have children. Yes. yes. It does that. It also causes things to shrink and 
but it doesn't uh, cause that we know of an increase in that particular one. Unless I don't know if you've injected no. directly there, but I don't. There is no evidence to suggest it does that. It and, might give the appearance of being bigger since other areas start shrinking, but that's about it probably. All right, time to end this on the mental health tip of the day. Day full of hiccups? Need a shake-up? Listen up! It's the Psych Effect Podcast Mental Health Tip of the Day! And once again, Mental Health Tip of the Day, brought to you by <laughs> Steph! Steph has got well, the Mental Health Tip of the Day. I, today. I mean, we, I'll, bring it, I'll bring it on, but I was hoping for money. I was hoping for sponsorship. I thought no, you were you're sponsor, the sponsor Steph. today. You're I'm the sponsor? sponsor. So oh, you wow. need to give okay. us Work money. over the money. Work it over. You know what I what I sometimes tell people when I see them in the office, mostly when they're stable, you know, not necessarily in the hospital, is that one advice I give them is when they find themselves in a bad state of mind, either feeling down, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, overthinking things, you know, the you know the people who call the, the warriors, the worry a lot, I tell them to just change their environment. Step outside the box you are currently in. If it's if it's home you know get out those four walls you know if you have a park next door or next block over go take a stroll in the park if you're you know even if you're driving two hour drive and you feel like you you mentally dread it you know park the car at the gas station walk a little bit change your environment um you would see that getting your your senses distracted does a great deal of help smelling you know different smells you know that's why hiking is so good because you smell freshness seeing different things seeing people you know people watches also can distract you so always try to shift your mind um to other things around you because if you stay at home in a non-environment there's nothing new in that environment that will distract you so adventure outside of your space and allow yourself to be distracted your eyes your 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 sensory uh you know factors you know use them and I think you probably feel better after that. That's one of the best things I think that we can do for ourselves. I know that that's one of the things that I do when I'm feeling that way. Um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll go get out of my house, go walk the dog for a little bit, get a change of scenery, come back and regroup. Or fortunately, we live in Florida. We're not so far from the beach. Head over to the beach for a little bit, get that ocean air and breeze. What are some of the things you guys do? Well, I just, I, I usually do that not at home, but at work, I just walk around, you know, I even, you know, walk around the block, you know, the parking lot on a phone call, just because I don't want to be in that physical space of, you know, inpatient psychiatry, because it's a lot of yells, a lot of people begging you to be discharged, nurses calling you nonstop, you know, calling family members. It's a high paced environment. So when I feel like I'm, I'm overcharged, I just put everything down and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk in the parking lot and I'll make a phone call or something and forget that I'm work for 15, 20 minutes. And I come back, you know, things are still there waiting for me, but I'm a better state of mind. I'm relaxed. You know, I, I change my scenery for a while and I, and I, and I recoup. I suffer in silence. <laughs> you just suffer, Dimitri. <laughs> no, I actually, I like, usually I just, I watch something. I, YouTube. I, I watch I watch a lot of YouTube because I don't watch TV anymore. I just watch streaming stuff. But usually I will 
leave the location that I'm at, go to another location, even if it's in the house, and just play with my phone, which is mm -hmm. really probably bad because it may make you more anxious depending on what you're doing with it. But what I would say is if you have something that you like to watch, watch that rather than, you know, look at Instagram, something like that, because that may, that may make you more anxious. But what I usually do is I just go and I watch uh, a YouTube channel that I'm subscribed to that has nothing to do with what I, what, what I was stressing you out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, I like horror YouTube stuff. Um, and I like fitness YouTube stuff. And I watch a lot of comic book channels that, you know, break down the comic book movies because I'm a dork. But well, we know. I that. think this is great advice. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing is half the battle, right? There you go. G.I. Joe. <laughs> no, nobody. Oh. Yes, right. I got anyway. you. Anyway. Gotcha. Okay. So, yes, that's fantastic advice. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, follow, subscribe, hit the like bell. When, you know, we're on YouTube, so you can hit the like bell. That's what all the YouTubers say. And the most important thing is write a written review when you get a chance because those help us the most because they tell us what you're thinking so that we can right. make this better so thank you all and all right, we'll guys. see you in the next one alright all right. stay safe mm -hmm. take care take care everyone the previous podcast represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick Dr. Stefan de Graff Dr. Suzanne Mignon and the guests it should not have been taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.